Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Amen. Well, let me just move this for a second because I'm not going to play the guitar this morning. I can't play the guitar, so I wouldn't play it this morning or any other morning, just so you know. Can play the trumpet, but that seems a little, I can't preach and play the trumpet at the same time, so we're not going to do that. Well, I am so glad to be here. Good morning, everybody. What a great day so far. Worship was amazing. Seriously, some great songs there. Thank you so much. Wherever you are, it was great. It was awesome. Um, we're going to have a great morning, and I've got some so exciting uh, things to say, but before we do that, I just want to take a moment. Um, we cannot, any of us, um, not understand or see what's going on in Maui and not be affected by it. Um, as of this morning, it's the worst uh, fire in terms, of, uh, in terms of deaths in U.S. history. Um, 89 people have passed away uh, as a result of this tragedy. So I just think it'd be great for us as a church. I know people say thoughts and prayers don't do anything. I believe thoughts maybe do nothing, but I do know prayer does something because I know God actively listens to the prayers of his people. So would you just join me for a moment and let's just pray um, for Maui, for the people who are doing the rescue efforts there, for anyone who is still lost, tragedy, I mean, that there will be a rebuilding of this beautiful town, and that God will do his work so people will see him and he will be glorified and people will come to Jesus as a result of this. So let's just pray real quick. Father God, we know that you come to the hearts of the wounded, that you are the God who comforts, and Father, there is such loss right now in Maui. So many people that have lost their homes, their livelihoods, their businesses, this town completely decimated. God, we don't understand the tragedy of it. We don't understand what it, in many ways how or why this happened. But God, we do know that you are close to those who mourn. So Father, we pray that you will be close to them today. Comfort their hearts, comfort their souls. I pray for the rescue efforts that continue, God, that they will be successful. I pray for anyone who is hungry to be fed. I pray for anyone who is, needs a place to stay, that they will have shelter. And God, most of all, that they will, in some way, that you will be glorified through all of this because that is what you do. You work when things are at their worst. And so, God, when things are at their worst, will you please do your best? in Maui and for the people of this little, this little island, God. I just pray your, your comfort, your, your peace that passes understanding, and I pray for your protection on anyone who is still there. And God, may this fire end, and may, uh, may you be glorified through all that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining me in that. Um, great day to be together. Seriously, I'm so excited to be here to continue our series on Ghosted. We are not talking about ghosts. If you saw that and thought to yourself, cool, it's going to be a spooky Sunday. Sorry, that's the very old school term that I grew up with. If you grew up in church, you probably heard the term Holy Ghost, uh, referring to the uh, Holy Spirit. Um, no ghosts are involved in the making of today's sermon, just to reassure you on that. But we're going to be talking about why the Holy Spirit is so important and foundational to our lives as Christians. Pastor Ricardo has already done such a great job of kind of setting the stage for what we're going to talk about today. I'm so thankful for that. But I have to be honest with you. I'm a little bit distracted today. I, I have to be honest, as, as a pastor, I cannot stand up here and say to you, I am completely 100% not thinking about something else in the back of my head. Um, and it's a good thing, so don't worry, it's not bad. Uh, tomorrow, um, I'm leaving for a week to get away with my wife uh, because we are going to be celebrating 25 years of marriage this Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm super excited. Uh, I can't believe it's been 25 years. I think 25 years is like, it's like, oh, that was if yesterday. And then you realize, wow, Kenny G was popular 25 years ago. <laughs> Who's Kenny G? 
right? Um, I feel like I look the same, but I don't. The pictures uh, definitely show a much younger, youthful version of me. My wife still looks the same because she has not aged at all, but clearly the gray hair is supposed to be a crown of wisdom has shown up on the bottom of my face. So uh, we have that, but I'm very excited about it because honestly, we would not have made through 25 years of marriage because uh, guess what? I'm an imperfect person. I have messed up so many times. And yet God's grace and his faithfulness is why we've been able to stay together for so long. It's easy to get married. It's very hard to stay married. So those of you just getting started, good luck. (laughs) Those of you that made it this long or longer, you know what it took. Good for you. And honestly, uh, if it wasn't for the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, I don't understand how I would have been able to, 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 to stay married for so long. Because God works in our lives, and it's His workings that even in the day-to-day stuff that we go through, the things that we celebrate, the things we get excited about, it's His working that makes it uh, possible, makes it all come to fruition. There was a picture, is there a picture that we could show that shows my wife and I? I thought I had a picture that I shared with you guys. If that shows up, I'd love to be able to show that, just because it's, it's, it's super great. Do you have that? Okay, Josh said he had it. So if it's not there, find me on Facebook, and you'll see a really good picture of my wife. I look okay, but she looks smoking hot. Sorry, honey, I shouldn't have said smoking hot in church about you. That sounds like one of those pastors who talked about their hot wives. I'm not trying to say that. You're just great. I love you. Now I'm embarrassed. There we go. Okay. The Holy Spirit does amazing work in our lives. As we already learned from Pastor Ricardo, the work the Holy Spirit does in the lives of a Christian is vital. It's this thing that we hear about. We know that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. We know this part of our Christian life. But it's one of those weird esoteric things that we don't talk about often because when we do, we've seen people that talk about the Holy Spirit who make it weird. And I just want to say right now, there is nothing weird about the Holy Spirit and the way he works in our lives. There just is nothing. Pastor Ricardo used this phrase, spiritual people get spiritual results, right? So we have spiritual lives because we're spiritual people. And when we live a life filled with the Spirit, then what's going to happen is the Spirit's going to come out, it's going to do stuff, and it's going to make us different, and all these things are going to be there. So if you want a life that's different from everything that the world says a life should be, if you want to have the life that Jesus said he came to bring us, which is what? Life abundant, life everlasting, life like we've never known it, then that life has to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It has to be built upon that. So today, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit does this in one of the toughest areas of our lives. One of the most difficult areas of our lives. You guys ready for it? Okay. We need the Holy Spirit in this area, especially because it's so big. It's like one of the biggest things we must face and deal with. And without the Holy Spirit, we would probably just crash and burn. What is it? Living every single day. Yes. The Bible makes clear that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then from the moment you wake up until you go to sleep at night, the Holy Spirit is vital to your having any success in living the life that Jesus promised. If you want to live an abundant life, it's charged with living each day, being guided, directed, whatever you want to call it, by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes this in the book of Galatians. He says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. This sums up every single day of our lives as Christians. 
It's a constant battle between the spirit and what some scripture translations call the flesh. But sounds weird when you say that. The flesh. My flesh is doing things that I don't want the spirit to do. It sounds creepy when you say it that way. So I prefer saying our sinful nature because that's like, oh, that's in us. It's part of us. Our skin isn't going to go out of its way to do bad things and make unwise choices. So our flesh literally is not going, do the wrong thing. It's this thing inside of us that was there when we were born because we live in a fallen world. Thank you, Adam and Eve, very much for that. We live in a fallen world, so the little baby that looks so perfect, guess what? Sinful nature deep inside. It may not show up for a little while, but you know when it does. And the minute that shows up, guess what? It's visible in all of us the rest of our lives. The only thing that stops the sinful nature from controlling us is salvation, is Jesus. And the only thing after that that keeps it going is the Holy Spirit living in each, inside of each one of us. The sinful nature, the part of us that is still imperfect, despite our salvation and being remade by grace in Jesus, is there. And it's inside constantly fighting for control. It's still there. You know it is because you have to deal with it every single day. You may not, okay, I'm going to be honest. Most of you, I'm going to assume most of you are not struggling with the big sins. Okay? Maybe you didn't commit murder this week. Congratulations. Good job. Guess what? I did not commit adultery this week. Congratulations for me, right? W. Big sins? Did you not go rob a bank? Congratulations, you are not a sinner. We're not struggling with those things. Most of us are not in this place where like, well, I need to commit murder this week. I should probably fight the spirit against that. No, it's these sinful little small things. That's when the sinful nature really starts to show up for most of us. When we get angry over a car cutting us off on the road, I never do that. <laughs> my kids are like, oh my gosh, daddy, you are the most angry driver that ever existed, Right? Look, oh my gosh, look, at, I'm not even driving and I'm yelling. I'm like, why are you so angry? He cut you off. What is wrong with you? You know, and I don't, I don't, I would never give someone the finger, but I will give them the thumbs down, which I think is almost meaner because I, we're used to having someone give us, flip us the bird, right? We're driving and they don't like how you're driving. They, they flip you off. They're like, okay, whatever. That means nothing to me. But when I get this, I'm like, ooh, boo. If I ever get booed by somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so personal. That hurts me. <laughs> So I'm hoping, yeah, do you see that? You're a bad driver. Well, that's the sinful nature. Okay, there's nothing Jesus about this to people. When we uh, told someone some gossip about a friend so that they could pray about it, their marriage is really suffering. I mean, seriously, she is sleeping around. Will you pray about this with me? Uh, okay, that's super not sinful. We look at our neighbor's new car, and then we look at our old van, and then we wish that we had their new car. Because my van sucked, but his car's cool. I really wish I had that van. Guess what? That's sinful nature, right? Nothing huge. Nothing that'll get you thrown in prison or ruin your marriage. But it's still these things that we know we shouldn't do, and then we do them anyway. From the moment we get out of bed in the morning, the sinful nature says this. I'm in control. But if we're Christians, and the Holy Spirit is within us, who looks at that sinful nature in the face and says, no. I'm in control. And then they both look at us and say, okay, settle it. Who's in control today? Whatever we do the rest of our day shows which one is guiding us. It sounds crazy, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I say that you know which days you were led by the Spirit and which days your flesh was in control of you. That's why Paul says they're constantly fighting with each other. 
The old you wants to be the boss. The new you knows what a bad idea that would be and wants to remind you that if you do the things the old boss wants you to do, you're going to end up pretty unhappy, not fulfilled, and living a life without purpose or meaning. The old boss sucks. You got to listen to the new boss, but it's not always that easy to do that. So we want to live a life that is led by the Spirit and not by our flesh, our sinful nature. What do we do? Are we supposed to become monks and nuns and cloister ourselves away from the world, eating bread and water and spending hours and hours a day praying and reading the Bible? No, we're not. <laughs> Just in case you're all like freaking out right now. Oh my gosh, what are we supposed to? Is he going to say that this is the thing? No, no. That's great. I mean, if that's what some people do, fantastic. But that's not what we have to do. To live in the Spirit, to be guided by the Spirit, does not mean to cloister and sequester ourselves and be like, all I do is read the Bible and I pray and then I like pray more and then I pray more and that's all I do. You can still have a regular normal life and still be led by the Spirit. It starts in the morning when we get up or whenever you get up. Because if you have one of those weird schedules where sometimes you get up at night, then just if I say the morning, just think what's when I get up out of bed. Okay? We honestly say in the morning, or whenever you get up, God, I'm really going to need the Holy Spirit to make clear what I should do and how I should respond today. Because I woke up really cranky. The coffee is not kicking in the way it should. I stubbed my toe when I got out of bed, and I can already see I have 250 emails from work. This is not looking like a good day for me, God. I wish I could be honest and say that I do this every day. I know what happens on the days when I just kind of roll with the crabby mood and I drink more coffee, like this is going to take care of the problem, so keep pouring that coffee. I mean, we make a pot, 12 cups of coffee. My wife drinks one and then goes to work. Where do the other 11 cups of coffee go? <laughs> Into me, and it's totally relaxing me now, right? I'm like totally in the zone. I'm not, I'm like, I'm fidgeting, I'm like, email, email. This is this. I, I glare at the thing. The cat bugs me. Why are you looking at me? You know, the kids get up. Why are you, why are you still asleep? Ah, I'm like, oh, that's the happiest part of daddy right there. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> On days like that, everybody knows stay away from me because I'm usually the one who's in the good mood. I'm like the happy one in the family. I like to think I'm the happy one in the family. And then it turns out, hey, daddy, guess what? You're the crabbiest one. When you're the crabbiest. You're the worst. You are terrible. I'm like, that's so mean. I'm your dad. I love you. And sorry, you just boo. <gasps> they booed me. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't like that. The days when I do start that way, when I say, God, can you please uh, take care of this? Can you just please guide me? Guess what happens? I end up being a better, happier, more joyful version of me. Why? Because I'm being the me I'm supposed to be that God created and called me to be, the abundant life me. So as Paul makes clear, the first thing we should do when wanting to live a life guided by the Spirit is to start by asking Him to do what He does best. Guide us, direct us, and lead us. Holy Spirit, guide me today. He doesn't go, well, maybe. All we have to do is say, please. He says, thank you. Remember they're fighting for control? I'm the boss, I'm the boss. You say, Holy Spirit, guide me. He's like, ha ha, I'm the boss. Simple nature, take a hike. And simple nature does for like 24 hours or until you get irritated about something. And then the Holy Spirit's like, come on, push that simple nature back. You're like, I gotta push the simple nature back. It's not a Zen thing, it's a Holy Spirit thing. 
He's working. He's doing something if we're listening. The Holy Spirit will not shout at you to make, to let you be in control. He's not going to say to you, hey, give me control. It'd be easier if he did, right? Because he'd be like constantly hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit going, hey, idiot, you're making a bad decision. Listen to me. He's like, no, you chose it. Good luck now. You made the bad decision. Deal with it. He doesn't put up post-it notes to show you what to do. But he does do something which is amazing. And I know this is weird to think about, but the Holy Spirit does speak to our hearts and minds. Right? You, you know when he's at work, when he's doing what he's supposed to do. And I know this sounds weird, okay? It gets super like, this is why people like the Holy Spirit. How do you, how do you, it's weird, man. The Holy Spirit, what is it? Because I say the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But then I also say he's not going to actually like talk to you. Most of us, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's not going, hey, buddy, it's me, the Holy Spirit. Let's have a good day in Jesus today, right? It's like, oh, I know I made that right decision. I have a sense of peace that I didn't have before. Or maybe as you're about to do something, you feel this, I should do this instead. Um, there's a pastor I used to work for many years ago, um, and he was from the South. And I think I told you guys about him before. But he said, you got this thing in here, not your stomach, not your ulcers. <laughs> you know, I don't have ulcers. I don't think I have ulcers. Maybe I do. I don't know. I should go to the doctor probably. Anyway, you have this thing down here, your gut, right? Some of us have, have a more prominent gut than others, and that's okay. Because I'm not talking about like the gut. I'm talking about the gut, the, the knower, as he called it. You know in your knower, which is this gut thing, when you're doing what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. You also know when you're saying to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I'm not doing that, because that knower goes, why are you doing the wrong thing? You're not listening to me. When you do the right thing, it's like, yay, it's a party in your gut, right? And everyone's invited to the party, because that's what it's supposed to be like. He gives us these moments where we sense and we see and we feel we're like, okay, I am doing what the Holy Spirit is calling me to do. If we believe that God is at work in our lives, directing our paths and taking us where he wants us to go, then this idea of pray, uh, paying attention to and actually listening to our knower is vital to ending up in God's will. Who wants to live in God's will? I do. Guess how you do that? You live in God's will. Everyone, there was a big book when I was young that everyone would read. It's called Decision Making and the Will of God. It was this huge book that Christians everywhere were reading it because they wanted to know, how do I discern the will of God? Giant book. Guess what? It's in the Bible. You wonder what the will of God is? Do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Paul explains it in the verse in Galatians. When we're doing what we're supposed to do, he says this, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Our sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. This should not be surprising to us. I mean, duh, right? It's obvious that what God wants us to do is diametrically different from what the devil would like us to do. I'm not saying there's a little devil on your shoulder trying to get you into doing the wrong thing. If there was a little devil, it would be much easier to ignore it. But get away from me, stop it. The sinful nature is much more subtle. It presents things that seem okay, that are probably not too bad, and then says to you, why not? And we say, sure, why not? To that little thing, and then several why nots later, we're wondering, what the heck happened, and how did it come to this? 
Because one little small why not, okay, that's fine. But then why not? And more why nots. And all of a sudden you're saying, uh-oh, what did I do? Why not take a look at the picture on Instagram? Why not watch that show? Why not argue with my wife? Why not yell at my son? Why not borrow some staples from the company? Why not? Why not? And the why not has a much more biblical word. I'm sure you all know it. It's called temptation. Temptation in the Bible is this, it's an external test, a situation in which we experience a challenge to choose between being faithful or unfaithful to what we know God wants for us. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me we're tempted once a day. No, that's not right. A couple times a day? Are you super spiritual? Okay, maybe three times a day. You really love Jesus? Okay, probably four times. We're tempted all the time. The minute you get out of bed, the minute you wake up, you're being tempted. And I don't mean the big temptations. We don't struggle with the obvious why not moments. It's in the little why not moments that really trip, up, trip us up in our walk with God. It's the little stuff about our daily lives that we face a temptation to tell a mostly true story or drive mostly the speed limit. Oh my gosh, that hurts to say that. Or to mostly not swear, or mostly not get angry, or mostly have patience. If we're living our lives inside the the quotation marks of mostly doing something, or mostly not doing something, guess what? We are not living lives guided by the Holy Spirit. The minute we have to qualify, well, I was mostly honest. If your child said that to you, you'd be like, you are lying. Mostly honest is mostly not true. I mostly was a nice person today. I mostly didn't yell at my kids. Mostly means that at some point during the day you yelled at your children. Did they deserve it? I don't know. But don't say I mostly did this or mostly did not do that because that's the opposite of what God wants for us. When we're guided by the Spirit, when this temptation comes, we say, nope, boom, and we don't give in. We push back. We resist it. When we're guided by the Spirit, when we hear a why not, we can more easily respond with, this is why not. Why not yell at my children because they bugged me? Because a father literally says in the Bible, do not exasperate your children. That's in the Bible, dads. I can guarantee you, I already exasperated my children when I woke them up to get them in the car to come to church with me this morning. We have to leave in 30 minutes! Or worse... Hi, I'm feeling happy today. Are you awake? Are you awake? Austin, who wants to tickle Austin? Austin is 22 years old. <laughs> He's like, if you touch me, you know what will happen. And I honestly am a little afraid of him. Because he has what we called since he was like little, we would like play these games where we would wrestle a little bit. And he would be like, oh, this is fine. And all of a sudden he gets this look in his eyes. What we called rage mode. When rage mode happened, I literally was afraid. It was fine when he was smaller than me, but now he is taller than me. And when I see rage mode, I'm like, I'm going to die today. So I literally did this very opposite thing with my own kids today. This was not in the spirit. I mean, I know I'm trying to have good fun, but it's like, Daddy, I'm barely awake right now, and I hate you so much. So here's what it says. James 4, 7 says it this way. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we submit ourselves to God, when we say, guide me, Holy Spirit, in all my choices today, we have the strength to look at the temptation and then refuse it. And when we do that, the enemy is defeated. 
boom, done. Not sure if you can do it. Not sure if being led by the Holy Spirit will help us resist the temptation and beat back the enemy. Well, guess what? Jesus showed us exactly how to do it. You've heard of the, the temptation moment, right? In the Bible, it goes like this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say people do not live on bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. On an aside, that sounds freaking cool. In a moment of time. That means he saw all the kingdoms of the world. That means from the old ones all the way to the present ones. And in this weird little moment of time, the devil said to Jesus... I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over all of them because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to all of you if you will worship me. Jesus replied with this, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And then what happens? The devil's gone. He's like, okay, bye. I'm out. I love this passage because Jesus goes in the wilderness. Not because he was like, hey, I want to go to the wilderness. The passage makes it clear. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit. He's led out there into this moment. The Spirit directs his path. The Spirit leads him. The Spirit guides him. Not so subtle hint here. If Jesus, the Son of God, can be led by the Spirit, guess who else can be led by the Spirit? We can. The Spirit takes him somewhere. The original Greek word that Luke uses when he says this, that Jesus was led by the Spirit, is super important too. The word he uses is, I'm really bad with Greek, but it looks like it should say, and that's what I read about, it says, Eo, which means to be consistently led. It's not like a, I'll lead you out and then, see you later, sucker. God does never, God never does a lead where he lets us go and goes, bye. When he leads us, he consistently does the leading. He keeps going on. So he takes him out of these 40 days, and the entire time, God is out there leading. The Spirit's still doing his thing. Jesus makes clear the Spirit doesn't just send him off into the desert and deposit him there to struggle with the devil. For these 40 days, the Spirit is with him the entire time. So if the Spirit leads us somewhere, he will be with us through whatever happens there, which means none of us are going to face whatever comes our way without him. When the Spirit leads you, he stays with you. That's huge. That's super comforting. Because I don't know about you, but I go to some pretty dark places once in a while. And the Spirit's going to take me someplace because He wants to challenge me, help me to learn something. And if I'm out there, He doesn't go, okay, good luck, good luck, learn it, bye. It's like throwing your little child who's just going to swim into the deep end. Good luck. If you keep going, you're going to live. God doesn't do that. He's like, well, good luck. I hope you make it. He's like, okay, good luck. And guess what? I'm in the pool with you. I'm going to help you get through it. We're going to swim together, buddy. I'm going to get you through this. Until you're no longer struggling, but you're kind of, oh, I'm swimming now. That's what happens. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. So Jesus is led continuously by the Spirit into this moment. And we see and hear this word temptation in Jesus. We think, well, wait a second. The Bible says that God can't be tempted. So what is Jesus facing here? What does this mean? 
I think one of the key things that this passage is showing us, and many smarter biblical scholars than I would probably agree, is that Jesus, being fully human and fully God, is led by the Spirit into this moment so he can show us, his followers, how we face temptation when it happens to us. How can we deal with the why not moments? Jesus shows us every day, human people, that we don't need special tools or supernatural weapons to resist the devil. You don't need to have a magic amulet or a special crystal or a special little cross that came from somewhere in Israel that someone put some holy water on and said, this is a special thing that you could buy on some TV channel. says, if you have this, you'll be able to resist the devil. Bowl, poopy. You've got exactly what you need. The Holy Spirit and the Bible. In every single temptation he faced, Jesus responded with what? Scripture. He didn't argue about feelings or have a discussion about the temptation. The devil says, why not turn these stones into bread? And Jesus doesn't go, well, let me think about that. He doesn't walk away from the devil and then come back to chat about it a little bit more. Like, yeah, um, okay, you're right. I could totally turn the stones into bread. I, um, ah, but I, don't, I am God. I have the power. I don't know if I should. He doesn't argue about it or think about it. Jesus responds with God's word. Man doesn't live on bread or stone, but lives on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Boom. Done. Why not? Here's why not. Why not give in to this temptation? Here's why I won't give in to this temptation, because I don't have to. Jesus was hungry. He didn't eat anything for 40 days. Okay, he was fully God, but he was fully human. I know how I feel if I don't eat after like four hours. I'm hungry. My, my knower's like, feed me. You ever seen Little Shop of Horrors? The big plant? Feed me, see more. It's a giant thing to eat. Now I'm thinking about In-N-Out Burger, so I don't know what to do. I'm really like distracted again. Oh my gosh. The devil knew he could take away this very need by easily turning the stones into bread. Jesus doesn't just answer no. His, it's his way of also reminding us of the needs we have, which are vital, important, essential things. Food, love, shelter, money. If we call ourselves Christians, then we need to trust that God will provide it and not look for a quick fix. When we're led by the Spirit, we can resist the quick fix to our physical needs and our wants and trust what? That God has a plan. God will provide. He will take care of us because He has promised to. Turn the stone into bread. He'll take care of your need. Yes, but if I do that, I'll be doing a miracle long before I'm supposed to do a miracle. It will set off the timeline for my point here as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. It'll change everything. Devil, if I do that, yes, I could. I'm hungry. I want to eat bread. But if I do that, it will change God's entire plan. How about if instead I say, no, I'll trust God to take care of me. Folks, that's us every single day. No, I'll, care, I'll trust God to take care of me. I'll trust God in this moment. I'm not going to trust myself. I'm not going to lean on what I need. I'm going to lean on what God wants for me. There's so much more to this passage. I love this passage so much, but I, I, I can't go on too far because Pastor Carter said I have to talk about the Holy Spirit only. So I'm going to come back to this Galatians verse because it's so big. When we are guided by the Spirit, we find it easier to resist the temptations that we face every single day. It means being aware of our weaknesses and avoiding situations that may lead us into those temptations. Okay, don't just walk into a tempting moment and go, hey, what's going to happen? Quote Martin Luther, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you don't need to let it make a nest in your hair. 
You can't help it if temptation comes, but you don't need to go, well, I'm going to see how temptation works today and walk right into the middle of a temptation spot and go, oh, what will happen to me? Will I fall to temptation? Well, if you put yourself in the middle of it, guess what you might, you've already entered the why not moment. If there's things that you know you struggle with, get the heck away from them. Don't go there in the first place. Don't let it make a nest in your hair. We have to live our lives guided by the Holy Spirit. We know that we seek Him in everything that we do. We know that we resist the temptation, but we have to actually do the last part of it, which is huge, which is actually following the Holy Spirit's guidance. It's great to start our day asking for direction, but if we don't actually follow when He directs, what good is it? It's like going to your doctor. Everybody loves going to the doctor. I do not like going to the doctor. My wife has to remind me, please go to your annual appointment. Well, I feel fine. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm not a problem. I'm good. I'm good. Oh my gosh. Wow, I got fat over the last year. I went to the doctor. Doctor says, hey, um, you could lose a little bit of weight because you have high blood pressure, history of high blood pressure in your family, and you have high blood pressure. I mean, it's not, it's, 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 it's not good. You're not, you know, it's one of the things where the doctor looks at you and he's like, you're not dead yet, but... I'm like, okay, that's not good. Also, you do have a, it shows here you have a family history of sugar diabetes. Tell me about that. Yeah, my grandpa got diabetes when he was in his 50s. Hmm. How old are you? 27? <laughs> you are lying, sir. Uh, no, I'm like, yeah, oh, that's me. Was he, uh, was he a hearty eater? Yes, he did enjoy butter. Yes, he did. My so my grandfather gained weight and uh, ended up dying way more earlier than he should because of congestive heart failure due to the onset of diabetes in his 50s. And my wife's like, hey, guess what? I don't want you to die early. Please stay alive. We've had 25 years together. Let's keep it going. So I go to the doctor. The doctor says, lose some weight, eat healthier, exercise. Great. Yeah, good, 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 good. Okay, good. Yeah, do that. Should. That's good. Okay. I'm way home. I'm going to stop at the Baskin Robbins and get myself some ice cream. And oh, there, oh, I have a Big Mac reward in my app for McDonald's. Supersized fries for a dollar? Why not? And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to binge watch uh, Cops on YouTube <laughs> for seven hours. Why am I sick? Why am I dying? Oh, because the doctor said do this, and I said, nope, I'm going to do the opposite. Folks, we do that every single day. The Holy Spirit says do this. We're like, okay, sure, that's a good direction, but I don't really want to go that way. I will say that I have lost 20 pounds since that moment, and uh, yeah, this, uh, um, good job, Pastor Dwayne, you're not as fat as you used to be. According to the, like, the body mass index, I'm supposed to lose like another 30 pounds. I'm like, oh my gosh, I will look like I'm dying, but okay. Uh, how about if I just lose a little bit more and we just kind of maintain that healthiness, not going to get diabetes and not have high blood pressure. Is that okay? Can I do that? And the thing is, when I, yes, that's fantastic. And I, I want to be healthy. But the bigger thing is I want to be in God's will. I want to be where God wants me to be. And the only way I can do that is to follow the direction that he gives me when he clearly says to me, hey, do this, and to say, okay, I will do it. You don't lose weight because you're like, I'm still going to eat Big Macs. I don't lose weight because, well, now I'm going to drink Diet Coke every day. By the way, I love Diet Coke. Massive. I used to drink, like, uh, I would drink a tw uh, the 20-ounce the, the bottles. 
I would drink like four of those a day. I had a budget for it, so I wasn't spending my own money. Wait, that's terrible. Water is delicious, by the way. If you don't, here's a little commercial. Drink water. It's so good for you. <laughs> Does the body good. Uh, my point is, we got to do what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit speaks, and we got to go for it. When we do the opposite, we're letting our flesh, our sinful nature, control us and not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us desires that are the opposite of what our natural sinful life wants us to do. So we pray for God's will, and we really want to rubber stamp our idea. We're not saying to God, God, show me your will. We're saying, God, Sam, you're okay with what I'm already doing, please. You ever done that? You have a plan? You want this thing to be the thing? Like, I'm going to make sure this is God's will. God, will you show me this is your will? And when he goes, that's not it. But I really wanted that, God. I wanted that job. I wanted that thing. God's like, that's not my plan for you, but I wanted it. Sometimes God will say, yes, that thing that you desire, that's exactly what I want for you. Congratulations, it's going to happen. And sometimes he says, no, not going to happen because if you go down that path, it's going to lead to massive issues for you, your family, your life. You have no idea what you're going to do. You're like, sure, okay, whatever you find out. And then you do it and guess what happens? Massive issues for you, your life, your family. Why? Because you stepped out of God's will. You knew what he wanted you to do and you did the opposite of it. The only way for any of us to live a life that is truly amazing and pleasing to God is if we follow what he literally says, just do this. It's not rocket science, and yet none of us want to. I'm not saying this to you because I do it. I suck at it. I wish I could be better at following God's direction. I knew God wanted me to move my family to California probably three or four years before we finally did it. Why? Because I'm like, I just don't know if it's going to make it. My wife's like, do you understand? That's where my life can be with my career. It's got to, I'm like, no, I just don't know if we want to move to California. The politics are weird. It's hot. I'm from Washington. I'm used to the rain. And then God's like, guess what? The politics in Washington are just as weird. Guess what? It's hot up here now too. I have a life for you down there. I'm going to give you something better than what you, th you think you have it great right now. Trust me, follow me, and it'll be even better. Why? Because that's the abundant life that God promised. William Barclay, one of the greatest Bible scholars of the 20th century, said this. The Holy Spirit is the power by which we are enabled to live the Christian life. He is the power by which we are enabled to overcome temptation and to live a life that is pleasing to God. Holy cow, that's what I want. I want to resist the stuff, and I want God to look at me and go, I am so pleased with you. You ever had a teacher look at you and go, you did a really good job. I'm proud of you. Do you ever had a boss give you a kudo that you did not expect? As a parent, you ever let your kid know they did something great, that they didn't know that they did great, and you see in their eyes, oh, wow, that's what I want God to look at me and do. Good job. Good job, you did it. Congratulations, you listened to me. That's all I had to do? Yeah, that's all you had to do. When we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can be confident that we are making the right decisions and living a life that makes Him happy and brings us joy. The abundant life that Jesus promised is ours when we actually follow the directions the Spirit gives us. <sighs> wow. That's a lot, right? I mean, I feel like we could keep talking about this. There's so much about the Holy Spirit. 
and having the life that God wants for us and following his will and being in his direction. I mean, people are asking all the time, how do I know I'm in God's will? Follow the Holy Spirit. When your knower says, do it, do it. When your knower says, don't do it, then don't do it. Guess what? You do that, you're in God's will. Congratulations. It's not rocket science. It's basic, but it's almost too easy. We want to make it difficult, and God's like, it's not. I give you everything you need. I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you scripture. I gave you my example. Just follow it. We would only, even if we talked about this for hours, for days, for months, we would only begin to scratch the surface of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So we can keep talking. We could keep going. But we're not going to. Because now we have to kind of put the stuff to the test. Right? I love coming to church. I love being blessed. I love hearing a good message. And then I know I have to walk out into the world and then do it. And guess what? I just told all of us how to do it. Which means I really better step up this week. Yes, I'm going to be on vacation. Yes, I'm going to be away with my wife. But if I don't live in the spirit while I'm on this trip, guess what's going to happen? It's going to suck. We're going to fight. We're going to get arguments. This anniversary moment can be ruined if I choose not to live in the spirit. You're weak. It's Sunday. So it's just getting started. Your week can go one of two ways. Great or really not so great. It will all depend on what we do with the, the understanding of this. What the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So when you have to make a decision this week, if you face a temptation, if you get out of bed, don't do it alone. There's no reason for each one of us to do any of our life alone. And I don't just mean with a good partner by your side. Yes, I can't imagine doing the life without my wife. But if I did not have her, I would have the Holy Spirit who is constantly speaking to me, who is constantly speaking to you, saying to you, listen, here's what you should do. Just follow my voice. When Jesus left us to go prepare this place that he's saying, I'm preparing this place for you, which he's been preparing it for about 2,000 years, so it's going to be freaking awesome. He didn't leave us here to flounder or fail. We don't have to struggle through life wondering what God wants or how we can deal with all the stuff we face. He said this, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Jesus showed himself what it means to be led and guided by the spirit, to be empowered by him when the hard moments come so we can stand strong. When we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we start our days asking for his direction, we listen for wisdom, and then we do what he says. When we do that, the decisions we make and the things we choose will always be in line with what God wants for our lives. It's a spirit-filled, spirit-led life that actually helps us live joyful, peacefully, hopefully. Don't you want that as a Christian? Don't you want to be joyful this week? Don't be a crabby Christian. If the barista gets your order wrong, okay. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you, should I throw this cup in this barista's face or should I just drink the coffee and say thank you? Which one is the Holy Spirit? You know. Don't be the video people we see throwing coffee and being angry. When you get on the road to drive home today, drive home spirit-led. 
If you need a map, use maps. That's fine. Get your Google Earth, whatever you have to do. But don't be a jerk on the road. And I'm saying this knowing I've got a two-hour drive home in the freeway, and it's going to be so bad when I get about to North Hollywood. It's going to suck. And I'm going to be in this moment like, I really hate everything right now. And I've got to be saying to myself, what does the Spirit want me to do? <sighs> Joyful, peaceful, hopeful. If we do that, if we hold each other accountable, there's nothing that can stop any of us. We will have the life that God wants. Abundant, amazing, eternal, and everlasting. I love this quote from Charles Stanley. The Holy Spirit is the source of all power and strength in the Christian life. None of us would go to bed without making sure we've not plugged our phones in for the night. Because you know the terror you wake up in the next morning when your phone is almost dead. We plug our phone in, we plug things in, we make sure everything is ready, the power is there. We don't just take the cord and then hang it down and go, it should charge. What does it have to have for it to charge up? It's got the power source. Guess what? We have the greatest power source that anybody could want. You got saved, that's where it started. Now the power is within you because the Holy Spirit is within you. He's guiding you, he's directing you. So whatever you face this week, this month, the rest of this year, throughout the rest of your life, let's embrace the power, the Holy Spirit's power. Let's embrace the strength He'll give, the guidance He'll give, the voice of direction that He wants to give you to say, you will be in my will. You will be where God wants you to be. Why? Because you listened and you plugged into me. Not through my own strength, not through my own ability, not through the flesh, the sinful nature, but holy cow, Oh, sorry. Holy Ghost! The Holy Spirit! If we do that, will it not be amazing to see what happens? Come back in a week and say, let's, let's find out how your week went because you were spirit-led this week. Maybe even make a pact as a family. You know, let's try to be spirit-led this week. What kind of a difference could it make? I'll tell you what difference it could make. Eternal, everlasting, life-changing difference. Let's pray. Let's pray. Will you stand up with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, what a great day. If you sometimes struggle with feeling like you don't know what you should do, if you're saved, if you said yes to Jesus and yes to salvation, then I'm going to remind you of something that you may have missed during this entire sermon. The Holy Spirit is within you. He will be your guide. He will be your path. He will make your path straight. It's up to us to listen, to hear, and then to do what He says. Heavenly Father, this church, this church loves you. This church is filled with spirit-filled people. I, I, I know it when I walk in the building. It feels different here. But God, we're still human. Our sinful nature is still going to be there all week long. The minute we walk out of these doors, this great moment where the Spirit is speaking, we're feeling this conviction. We're like, yes, the Holy Spirit is here. And then we're going to go face everyday life. God, remind us in those moments, the Holy Spirit is still here. He's still working. He's still active. He's doing this thing in my life at this moment right now. And he will do it on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock. 
He'll do it on Thursday. Uh, when I'm stuck in rough hour traffic, God, whatever it is, you will be there. So God, this week, this week, I pray that all of us will plug into your power, that we will listen to the voice of the Spirit. When those moments come that are hard and they're difficult, may we hear your voice and follow and do exactly what you say. And God, when we do that, please transform our lives. Help us be the happy, joyful, amazing Christians that we're supposed to be because you have called us, you love us, and you gave us the Holy Spirit for that very purpose, to know what you want us to do. May we do it this week. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.